Have you seen this? Beloved dramatic actor Gene Hackman and comedy legend Dan Aykroyd working with a stellar Twilight Zone writer. How could loose cannons misfire? I don't know, Tim. How could it? Have you seen this? The world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. Hey everyone, it's Have You Seen This? I'm Jen, here with Tim, and with our special guest, Mike. <laughs> How's that? Well, yeah, I was a special guest. How about those clowns in Congress? <laughs> well, let me get into it, because yeah, it's not Rod Serling who wrote... <laughs> Uh, the bulk of the Twilight Zone. It's some other guy who, I don't know, Jen has a big boner for. Uh, well, so do you, because a lot of these, um, I mean, you're a bigger Twilight Zone fan than I am. I mean, you know, no new, new, no, yeah. no disrespect to Twilight Zone, which is, uh, you know, obviously one of the It's just Jen's lack of, of taste, yeah. Te- television. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, we're talking about Richard Matheson. We uh, haven't even introduced Mike. We should probably do that. Oh, Mike, who cares? Uh, <laughs> he'll just show up. We won't even say he's here. <laughs> uh, guys, could I could 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 I uh, could I uh, break in here? Could I um, could 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 I uh, oh, this, please? This is what happens. This is what happens when you podcast on like an open Zoom channel. That, that is not what I sound like. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I couldn't uh, tell the is, difference. That is, that is not what I sound like. Um, excuse me, that is not what I sound like. I sound, I, I sound very masculine. I sound very cool. And uh, shut no, up. Let me just stop you there. <laughs> yeah, we're here with Mike, who, um, as you can tell by the way, we're roasting oh. uh, him is a good friend of ours who's been on the show many times. A good friend of yours. Hi, everyone. I'm back. In pod form. Yes, uh, Mike, a.k.a. Bitter Corella on Twitter, and also the creator and writer of the Midnight Pals Twitter account, uh, who is uh, currently preparing, I think, the third Midnight Pals book? That's right. It's going to be awesome. It's got some really good pictures in it. Well, uh, Yeah, Jen, what do you know about that? Well, that's that's an in right there. Um, Mike, since... uh, since Midnight Pals is based on horror writers telling tales around a campfire, uh, how familiar are you with Richard Matheson, since I feel like you've done like a couple tweets about him? I have done a couple tweets about him. I'm not super familiar with him, but I have, I have of course, know him mostly as the guy who uh, wrote I Am Legend and Duel, mm-hmm. as well as uh, some. he did some Twilight Zone episodes. And uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's done a lot of stuff. But, Maybe one of the uh, most famous Twilight Zone episodes, um, Terror at 20,000 Feet. Yeah, the one with John yes. Lithgow. The, no, the one with William Shatner. <laughs> the one with John Lithgow and William Shatner. Which also, I might add, sets up the most perfect, glorious joke from Third Rock from the Sun. Yes. Uh, be, yes. When the two meet, there is a reference to Terror at 20,000 right. Feet. 
Um, yeah, because it is John Lithgow is, you know, one of the, the central cast of that. But then they meet their supreme leader, who's played by William Shatner. And he comes in on a, on a, a jet on an airline. And he says, you know, they ask him, how was your flight? And he says, it's terrible. There's this awful monster on the wing. And John Lithgow is like, the same thing happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just to like see that happen is is beautiful. (laughs) Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. The episode is called Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. Oh, yeah. Get it right, Jen. Uh, He wrote another uh, episode that I love. Uh, It was made into a movie that I do not love. Uh, it was the uh, short story uh, Button Button. Yeah. It's one that, um, yeah, another friend of the podcast, we just like jerk each other off about what a great episode that is. Yeah, that was made into The Box by uh, yeah, Richard which, Kelly of uh, Donnie Darko fame and Southland Tales infamy, I believe. Mm. It's a great story. It's such a, a fun little concept. Yeah, you, you get a box and for, you know, X amount of money. Um, you know, you push the button on the box and someone you don't know will die. Yeah. And, and, and they, they did kind of rework the original story into the Twilight Zone episode, which I think improved it. And then they reworked it a little more to make it in the movie and made it a lot worse. But yeah, the Twilight Zone is just chef's kiss. Yeah. And um, Matheson had cut his teeth on um, short fiction. Um some of you may have read a story that he submitted around the age of 23 called Born of Man and Woman, which is one of the most disturbing um, sci-fi stories ever written and was very influential. Like Mike yes, said, Jen sent that to me, and yes. Yeah, like Mike said, he did, uh, he did I Am Legend, which was made into the Omega Man with Charlton Heston. Um, he did a bunch of Poe adaptations for Corman. Uh, Mike also mentioned Duel. Um, other Matheson uh, works. Uh, Shrinking Man, which was made into Incredible Shrinking Man. He made Hell House, which they made into Legend of Hell House. Um, Somewhere in Time. <laughs> he, just, he just needed more superlatives, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, somewhere, somewhere awesome in time. Yeah, Somewhere in Time, which was uh, based on his novel Bid Time Return. Um, the novel What Dreams May Come, which was made into a shitty Robin Williams movie, but that's redundant. Um, even uh, yeah, That's not really his fault. Even the movie, you know, if you guys remember that movie Real Steel with Hugh Jackman, that was based on a Matheson story. I thought that was based on the uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. No, that's Robot I mean, Jocks. Oh, no, the Robot Jocks is based on Battletech. <laughs> For all I know, um, Richard Matheson may have seen Rock'em Sock'em Robots, and that's what led to Real Steel. Mm. But um, yeah. suffice to say that Matheson is probably one of the most well-regarded genre writers of the 20th century he influenced some of the biggest names in just straight up literature and filmmaking uh steven spielberg uh stephen king um those are the kind of people who yeah corman too had great things to say about him yeah those are the kind of people who name check uh richard matheson and um he did have a family he had um two sons and two daughters um the relevant son that we will talk about three of his children went on to be writers um he had a son called richard christian matheson and for some reason he and his father wrote a script called loose cannons it's a a little father-son project you know like building a birdhouse how how old was richard christian matheson when he wrote loose cannons 
that's a very good question. Um, yeah, but I mean, R- Richard Matheson is, you know, a, a titan of, you know, sci-fi horror and speculative fiction, not of buddy cop comedy action movies. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I think we should we should address that. Yeah, this is uh, <coughs> he is he is working against type here. Oh, uh, very Richard, much against swimming against the tide. Richard Christian Matheson will be sixty nine this year, so say it all with me. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if he's sixty nine this year, and the loose cannons is from like nineteen ninety, I, I guess. Yeah, it would have been like nineteen eighty eight or so. They're probably working on this. So what? He was he was our age. He should have known better. <laughs> yeah, he was a little younger than than uh, we are now. Um, for we right. are old, and it's not as though uh, the younger Matheson hasn't had a reasonably respectable career. It looks like he did quite a bit of work in television. And, you know, he's worked on features. Um, he, I think he co-wrote a, 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 a segment from the Masters of Horror anthology series. Okay, I'll have to revisit that because I don't remember it. Yeah, and he's done some features, so I don't <clears throat> yeah, and this, know. Um, and yeah, and the, the movie was produced by Aaron Spelling. He's got a good track record, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I, I got to throw in the other wild card here, which is Bob Clark. Um, uh-huh who directed and co-wrote. Now, Bob Clark uh, did the much-beloved A Christmas Story um, Mm -hmm. and uh, a really, really good and um, kind of an influential early slasher film, Black Christmas, and Uh, uh, Porky's. (laughs) Oh, huh. So, and I think, I don't know if I said it on the show, I don't know if we've talked about Bob Clark in any depth before. I do remember when I saw Black Christmas, I was a little taken aback because the movie does such an excellent job of getting to the root of misogynistic violence that you wonder, like, how he wrote a pretty misogynistic film like Porky's. But I wonder if maybe it's just a case of, like, kind of uh, turning off your own sense of taste and scruples and just writing what you think the market will bear and you know porky's was successful um right well i don't know what he was getting at with loose cannons (laughs) right well it it sounds like everyone is kind of like working outside of their wheelhouse here maybe i like we've we've got you know bob clark working you know on like you know issues of you know misogyny and you know madcap nonsense and you have um, what Matheson working on like speculative fiction and horror, and you've got Gene Hackman who is a dramatic actor who you would normally find in like like a, a heist movie or like a, a crime movie or you know something to do with uh, you know like uh, you know police uh, like detective stories, and then you have Aykroyd who's just he, he's the loose cannon in all this I feel. I mean, he's uh, the person who's working closest to his actual, you know, uh, strengths in this film. Right. Yeah, because he's basically playing a, a man with autism who also has uh, dissociative identity disorder. 
Yeah. Right. There's a, there's a line in there that is, uh, I always annoy people. I don't mean to. And I don't know if that was just like Dan Aykroyd making conversation on set. But... <laughs> I, I think that might that might have been the problem is I think like my guess and this is just you know my interpretation of it is that I think that Ackroyd was intended to do a lot of the heavy lifting and that means that like the script is really threadbare in a lot of other places and they're just like and we've got Dan Ackroyd he'll figure it out no yeah because the story is is very very slight it is very trivial in fact like I kind of tuned out like halfway through because of what was was or wasn't going on where I just like, I didn't, didn't care anymore. <laughs> so there, there's like so little to the movie, but, well, but Jen, you were saying it's uh it is amazing how threadbare the story is considering how overwritten a lot of the dialogue is. Um, mm-hmm. Cause there's a lot of really bad writerly dialogue, which is like, mm. yeah, really striving to be clever. And it's just kind of like, uh, and then um, right. to, to Tim's point about the plot, it's a plot which I think tries to be self-consciously wacky. Um, Mike, if you could take a stab at maybe describing like what the fuck is supposed to be going on in this movie, we would appreciate it. Okay, <laughs> sure. Than me. Um, so let me think. Okay, so basically um, it's a buddy cop film. Uh, it, G, there's, uh, Gene Hackman is, uh, is a cop on the edge. And Dan Aykroyd. It's really funny if you pretend that uh, this is a sequel to French Connection, and this is what happened to Popeye Doyle. <laughs> oh, how awful! It's wait, no, it's like it's like. Sorry, I, I did it wrong. What I should have said is Gene Hackman is a cop on the edge. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd <laughs> is his by the book partner. Together they fight crime in Dan Aykroyd's cruising. Um, <laughs> or it's the, actually because they're they're after a um dan Aykroyd loves precinct night yeah they right. really i well, yeah that's why they made east of eden right yeah no those <laughs> <laughs> but pray continue mike well they got so it's basically there's a uh there's a f- okay there's a film uh, a lost nazi film of some german guy like offing hitler and that guy is now that makes it sound like this guy is good, but he's not. The guy offing Hitler is actually bad because he's like in the bunker. Yeah, I, with him. I think I think the guy that killed Hitler is is my personal hero. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I feel like because this guy is now going to be the, the elected chance of Germany unless yeah. our heroes reveal this lost Nazi film to show that, like, actually that man killed Hitler. With so you so, Israel for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like you could spin that. Like, hey, I killed Hitler. Like, I'm the good guy. Right? I mean, I really feel like you could. I, I yeah, know the you implication. Think that would give him a pass for life. He would, um, right? You know, if he spun it right. But this guy, this is the this is the '80s. So this mm-hmm. is filmed in the very quaint time period when it was very common in films. Were like, if we only get this information out to the public, it will destroy this person's career. And this this politician will no longer be able to endanger us. So yeah, that's that. Okay, sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it's another time. And even that is like it's such a weird MacGuffin. It's so like a contrived like Hollywood uh, like cop movie, like action movie kind of cliche. Like the the, uh, the bad guys in this are Germans because you know I guess you know, German equals Nazi. You know, it, it wasn't a particularly enlightened time. Well, it's the eighties, <laughs> yeah. so or the late eighties. So um, this is when uh, most villains were 
uh, vaguely gay Europeans. Yeah. Yeah, they're just kind of, like, generic. Like, they didn't, you know, particularly, like, they didn't have any kind of, re- like, relevant to, you know, social issues. I well, guess. you know, yeah. it was the 80s, so in those days, Nazis were still bad. It wasn't, like, 2022. Yeah, just like, mm, I don't know. People are like, I don't know. It's, I really don't like the way that, like, oh, like, uh, you know, Jan uh, Aykroyd and Gene Hackman are, like, calling everyone they don't like a Nazi. I don't like that. Um, <laughs> it's very but, problematic the way they punched Nazis in this movie. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, just let them talk, you know, open uh, exchange of ideas, right? Yeah, Who's you the know, real just, fascist? Let, just, just let the Nazis make asses of themselves with their ideas, because, you know, like... Those ideas were pretty unpopular, as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd think. Now, uh, yeah. So this film, sorry, this ahead, film, uh, like you said, it's it's a weird, it's a weirdly uh, high stakes plot for a yeah. buddy cop mm-hmm. film because I mean, this feels more like this feels like the sort of plot, uh, you know, of a spy thriller or something like Hudson Hawk, but it doesn't yeah. really have the, it doesn't have, you know, I'm I'm gonna be I'm I'm gonna be um, I'm going to be uh, choose violence here and say I actually didn't think this film was that bad, but it did not have the gonzo balls to the wall zaniness that would be required for a film like this to work. It would need to be like Hudson Hawk levels of insanity. Right, yeah, it's it's like having a Dan Aykroyd movie, but uh, grounding it with Gene Hackman. Wait a sec, you you didn't (laughs) think this movie was that bad? No, I actually I I expected it to be bad because I know that uh, Dan Aykroyd has disowned it and apparently is very ashamed of his work here. But I I watched it and I thought this is a competent yet forgettable buddy cop comedy. I don't hate it. I feel like if they had done a few more passes on the script, it actually might have been good though. Um, See, it had moments. I... I texted Tim while I was watching it, and I was like, I'm eight minutes in, and I'm already screaming. Yeah, this movie is garbage. Like, I mean, um, I'm just going to have to agree with, and disagree with Mike. Keep in mind, um, we just covered uh, Hot to Trot. <laughs> right. Which, you know, it, and l- let me put it this way. When we, did, when we did our episode on Hot to Trot, um, you know, obviously, I had seen it before because I loved it as a child, but um, Tim went in completely cold and I was bracing myself a little bit because I was like, you know, it's not really a good movie. It's more, you know, like it's it's fond memories for me, but, you know, it's kind of a misfire. And Tim, if you if you haven't heard the episode, which you should hear, it's on our Patreon, patreon.com slash have you seen this? Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Tim said, no, you know what? There were actually like a few funny jokes in this movie. And we described right. some of the jokes that, that made us laugh. I think I laughed once during this entire movie. <laughs> yeah, I counted. There are two jokes in this movie. And and one of them is a good one. It is, uh, they're trying to flesh out the Germans. Um, and they're at like a, God, like a Roman bath or something. Because it is all just like contrived <laughs> awful set pieces oh because they're uh, in like a they're in like a plato's retreat style sex club or something it doesn't matter yes it, it who gives a shit <laughs> uh but yeah they're they're there and you know dan hacker is like oh we need to find the german and you know he's like shouting german phrases and you gene hackman is like shut up you're not helping so then what does he do he stands outside the the door and he sees really loudly and then there's a voice in there that goes kazoo tight <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> All right, well, we'll give you that one. 
Okay, so that there that's one joke, and there's like one other one. It's oh, there's a a there's a nice performance by a guy driving a bus where you know Gene is like follow that guy in the bus driver's like there's a taxi in the way, and he's like push him out of the way. And then he's like, all right, and I oh like yeah, to that push guy that guy was hilarious because he was so chill. Like not only <laughs> yeah. did he take like Gene Hackman brandishing a gun, like jumping onto his bus, like completely in stride. He's like, yeah, you know, I'll uh, like I'll smash up the car in front of me. Yeah, it's like push him out of the way. I've always wanted to do that. It's just you know kind of nonplussed about the whole thing. It's just yeah, he drives a bus. Yeah, I well, think um, there, there are moments think... when this movie right. they're pretty yeah. good. Yeah, we just went over both. Yeah, of them. the problem is um, <laughs> well, I most of the, the comedy, like you said, I, I think. I think the one time I what? laughed was when uh, Dom DeLuise grabs a machine gun and yells, they're fucking with the wrong Jew this time. <laughs> right, because Germans. <laughs> uh, Mike, you're saying. Oh, uh, I was just saying the, the problem with this is it is like you, it's the 80s. And like you said, mm-hmm. it's a lot of overly written dialogue that is not really they're not really jokes. They're just kind of flailing around in joke like material, as as people say, like the part where uh, right. D- Gene Hackman is mad at. Uh, some guy in the in the police station. He's like, Wesker, you should write a book. Me and my lobotomy. And it's like, okay. I mean, I get what I get yeah. that it's an insult, but it's not really witty. It is, yeah. It is so much like hack Borscht Belt material, and Dom DeLuise's presence in this doesn't really help that. No, yeah, because it's... that's when, um, because if the movie wasn't like already self consciously wacky enough, like when Dom DeLuise shows up, it's like all bets are off and. He's, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like you need Mel Brooks to like direct him or something. <laughs> yeah. It's just like this is gonna be painful. Dom DeLuise thinks he's in Cannibal Run. Right. Uh, yeah, Watch and, and... me faggots. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, to support Mike's point too, like it is established early on, like the level of like non-humor. It's like more crass than funny because they're talking about Gene Hackman's car and he's got like you know this nice vintage like Woody. <laughs> he like, drives surfer. a Woody. Which is like, yeah. That, yeah. That, that's the extent of de- the development of Gene Hackman's character is like, oh, like he's a he's a big asshole and he drives a Woody and oh, and he's got a pet that, cat. Yeah, that's it. Right. But uh, which disappears as, as you... from the, the movie like halfway through. And I can only assume that it died while they were, <laughs> you know, committing yeah, it died in a car crash. Yeah. And yeah, speaking of uh, character like, you know, where the where the level of this movie is, it's the same as. With ten to midnight, you know they analyze. You know one of one of the other assholes that Gene works with. He analyzes his choice in car, and you know, the, like the line from Ten to Midnight. You know, the, the car is his penis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what's this? That's a, like um, and that character he's sparring with doesn't really figure much in the script. So like yeah. setting yeah, up this like... tremendous antagonism like doesn't really add anything. Right, and yeah, this is just, like, the, the kind of juvenile shit that, like, you hear from, like, you know, college radio or, like, podcasts. Or just, like, <laughs> just like, hey, you dick jokes. Yeah, it's, uh, the, so the comedy in this movie is not good, which is unfortunate no. since it is a comedy. Um, <laughs> and, like, it has yeah, to be barring said. Barring that, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, Mike, my, my point won't fit, so please... Uh, continue oh okay. sorry um no it's just like it's the, the the movie's a little odd because um it feels like it's sort of setting itself up as the theme being almost well because gene hackman's character is a vice cop 
And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, G- Dom DeLuise plays a pornographer who bought what was assumed to, for most of the movie sounded like it was like a, a gay porno with Hitler in it. Yeah, like Hitler sex tape. Yeah, but at the end, it turns out it's not. There's there's no porno at all. It's just it's just the guy shooting Hitler, which is kind which- of weird but also like there's like throughout the film like it keeps feeling like they are setting up like okay the theme of this is gonna be like this is a sex comedy but it's not mm-hmm. it's it doesn't really lead into that at all which is very odd because it's the 80s and you would think like come on just put a bunch of titties yeah. on screen you got yeah, the perfect there, excuse there even, yeah <laughs> even like in the bathhouse like there was not one pair of titties in this entire movie the the thing like that, they managed to they managed to cram those into Dragnet, I think. The thing that really cracked me up was when they go to the S and M club, um, oh, yeah. which, like, first of all, there are people in the club wearing like kiss makeup, and then some like it's leather daddy type guys. But then when the fight breaks out, it's like a bunch of just regular 80s guys in like members only jackets and it's like they all those guys look like they showed up for like a video dating service and i have no idea what they're doing in the snm club right the 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 problem that i have with a lot of this movie like with the snm club or with like the you know turkish bath or you know with the um just like the the handling of you know dan Aykroyd's character's multiple personality disorder is that and it isn't that it's handled like with uh you know with with carelessness is that it's just handled in such a cursory manner it's like if someone had bothered to put more thought into any of those things Mm -hmm. you might kind of dig up a little gem like a little nuance or insight into it but the depth like the lack of depth of this movie is really the uh the one consistent you failing about it because the way that dan acker's character is portrayed you know his multiple personality disorder is just like if you give like a six-year-old too much candy, yeah, like that's it. Like he's just quoting shit from TV. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's it is it in no way resembles um, what at the time was like called multiple personality disorder, um, which is now dissociative identity disorder. Um, yeah, it it didn't di- dive deep enough into that to like give you anything to like grab onto. It's like oh, multiple personality disorder. You think you're Captain Kirk? I don't know. Yeah, yeah which was it's... weird because. Um, there was one thing that they sort of got right about dissociative identity disorder um is which is okay. that it often springs from very profound trauma um oh right which uh i believe in uh in real life when it does manifest it's a, it's a extremely rare disorder and it's usually the result of severe childhood trauma like yeah 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 like like nightmare shit yeah like the movie in a nutshell like dan eckard was tortured for three days by nicaraguan drug dealers which is why he sometimes talks like peewee (laughs) Herman. well it's a very you know it's a very um movie understanding of mental health you know like one you could you know you have one traumatic experience and now you it's like how dexter oh he saw a scary thing once now he's a psychopathic serial killer so i don't think that's how it actually works but um, yeah, like you appear in yeah. one live leak video and the next thing you know, you're talking like Porky Pig. Yeah. Well, this thing is, it is 19, what you said, 1990. So yeah. the, the level yeah. of realism in, uh, Dan Aykroyd's, uh, multiple personality disorder portrayal, it's like Howling Mad Murdoch on the A-Team. It's the exact <laughs> same performance, <laughs> uh, which I think is really unfortunate because 
I feel like that it well, I feel like that was very stupid in this film. And it they but it's unfortunate because that could have been cut out and it would not mm. have affected the film in any way. Like it would still be like his multiple personality disorder really has no bearing on anything in this movie. It, it's just a thing he occasionally does, you know, when yeah, they want to cram a just, joke in. Um, yeah, it's just like him being like like having retard strength. It's yeah, just, yeah. it's like yeah, that kind it, of I was kind of taken aback by that because um, I mean I had vaguely remembered this movie from when it came out, and you know I just I probably saw the review on like Siskel and Ebert's show, and of course they hated it. Um, Good. And I just remember that it was, uh, oh, it's a bad movie that flopped. Um, and the premise is that Dan Aykroyd is crazy. Um, yeah, but, but I mean, he could have just the, been the, regular the, Dan but, Aykroyd. Um, but the way that the story kind of plays out, um, you know, save for his little episodes, it's more about a deeply traumatized man trying to, like, come to terms with his condition right and why didn't they put more of that in this comedy well i, I actually <laughs> about overcoming yeah. mental trauma i feel like they should have just cut out the whole uh, multiple person sorry um multiple personality thing and just had this movie about a guy with autism struggling with that because yes. that's clearly what yeah. most of this movie's about and dan Acker doesn't even need to act no in fact dan Acker, i think does a very um for especially for the time period a very nuanced and honest portrayal of you know what is obviously in the film not thought of as autism but what we look at now we can recognize oh that's that's obviously he's playing an autistic character and yeah. like we said it may be because high functioning king dan Aykroyd, you know he isn't acting this is probably his most you know the uh, okay dan Aykroyd, i think unlike a lot of comedians of his generation uh you know like chevy chase and steve martin and those guys uh, Dan Aykroyd actually does act like he disappears into characters, whereas every other comedian just plays themselves. And I think this is the one time we're actually seeing the most of the actual Dan Aykroyd. He may actually just be playing himself here. Yeah, yeah and, I definitely get a feeling of him doing that. Yeah. And Mike, you had a I think you had a, a characterization of this film as part of a sort of informal trilogy. Yeah, it's Dan Aykroyd's I Love Cops. <laughs> it's Dan Aykroyd's <laughs> thanks the troops. Um, the, the t- yeah, Dragnet definitely. Yeah, Dragnet one. and um, uh, which 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 is the uh, nothing but trouble being the the third of the trilogy. Uh, probably the yeah, which we the covered most, on the show. Yeah, and that's oh, probably well, his most you know, nuanced so, take so, on cops. So two for three, not bad. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember Dragnet being really funny. I remember that too. Like, Drag- I don't Drag- know if that right to fine. be for like a, right. a yeah. feature um, adaptation of a TV, a fucking TV show. Right, but like the joke version of it, and maybe that's part of what works so well about it. Well, I mean, yeah, Dragnet because, like, had if you've the, ever uh... seen if you've ever seen Dragnet, it there is not a scintilla of humor about the entire fucking right. thing. And I was thinking about it earlier uh, before we were recording because I realized, like, oh, like. You know, not only did they take the dragnet premise and uh, poke a little bit of fun at it, but they also created a Joe Friday who fucks because <laughs> right. Dan Eckerd's character does fuck the virgin Connie in that movie. Yes, and like I <laughs> defy you to imagine Jack Webb having sex. You can't do it. It's impossible. Right. Like the mind just generates static. <laughs> 
Yeah, and and that is good casting too because it is D- Dan Aykroyd as this sort of fish out of water in Dragnet of him being his Dan Aykroyd self, like out of sync with everyone else who's neurotypical, let's say. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> versus like the way he is in here where, I mean, yes, he could have just played an autistic cop because loath as I am to give this movie any credit, the you know tour de force scene of him deconstructing this crime scene at about 15 minutes in is probably the only one part of the movie that holds together i feel possibly like because yeah it does feel like um i mean another way that you could describe the premise of this movie is um what if what if sherlock holmes had some kind of trauma induced disorder instead of merely being like an asexual uh Victorian. Just like, why not just like, why not Sherlock Holmes in a buddy cop movie, you know, in the 80s? Right. Well, Well, I mean, um, they did, um, I mean, I know that, um, what's his name did, uh, uh, who's Stephen Moffat? He did, oh, like Sherlock Holmes. What if we really leaned into the autism thing? But (laughs) that, uh, that kind of fell off after a little while, (laughs) as I recall. Well, I think Tim is, I mean, well, yeah, what's his name? You know, Cumberbatch, he's doing other stuff now. So. Yeah. Um, he's, what, he's locked Mike, into the Marvel tomb. <laughs> sure locked into the Marvel tomb. Yeah. Uh, but Mike, you were saying. I was going to say, Tim, I think you're you're correct, and that's the one scene that holds together because it is the only scene that feels like it's part of a buddy cop film. Uh, right. Th- the rest of this film seems like it's like it, it forgets what genre it is because it's just like have Gene Hackman and Dan Aykroyd kind of just do stuff. Um, so it, it does kind of go off the rails that way. Uh, but I mean, you do, you do sense their like relationship sort of evolving to one of like mutual dis mutual respect rather than, than dislike, but it's pretty, it's pretty rudimentary. And like, um, a point that Tim has made about Gene Hackman on the show before was, uh, like his style of acting, like, especially when he plays, um, you know, one of the very morally gray characters that he does it's how did you describe mm-hmm. him tim like just kind of like smiling through rage yeah yeah he's sort of like he he's he's charming and threatening at the same time he's like i know that we're gonna get along because if we don't i'm gonna rip your head off mm. yeah it's like he's he's 30 seconds away from like choking you and yeah i feel yeah, like kicking your teeth in. it's it's the same thing in this movie but it has it seems like that isn't him acting. It's it has a lot to do with the production, I think. <laughs> well, I think that <laughs> well. works really well. Because he just well, has though. this. He just has this aura of like, this is a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> well, yeah, he's just kind of like looking around, quipping. I don't know. Yeah, but I think that works really well in this, especially when he's paired with Dan Aykroyd, um, because like he said, there's a scene where the, early on when they're in the car together, and Dan Aykroyd is. Um, you know, asks him not to smoke and then says, oh, you've got a cat. I'm allergic to cats. Can I can I put a, you know, a, a, a cover up your cat? And it's this thing where you're watching. It's like Dan Aykroyd is making. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I'm I'm, a, you know, as a neurotypical person uh, in a relationship with a neurodivergent person, I've seen this <laughs> this little dance many, many times where the neurodivergent person will make uh, perfectly polite, reasonable requests and they keep making them until you want to throttle them. And that works perfectly <laughs> here with Dan Aykroyd and Gene Hackman. I mean, I see that right there. It's like it feels very real. Oh, that was the other time I laughed when um, uh, 
Dan Aykroyd asked Gene Hackman not to drive so fast. And so Gene Hackman's response is to slam on the brakes. And because he's been living in his car, like all of his belongings just come piling into the front seat. That seemed like just such a huge overreaction where it's like Gene Hackman's character. Like, I mean, I've seen Gene Hackman in other roles where he is like prickly and antagonistic and difficult to work with. I mean, hell, we just talked about um, uh, night moves. Mm -hmm. But like in this, I don't think he earns his reputation. Uh, A lot of it is like, yeah, I could see a normal person reacting that way to Dan Aykroyd. Like neither of them kind of earn like you know earn their reputation in this it is gene hackman as a reasonable person with an unpleasant person and dan Aykroyd as a neurodivergent person politely asking a you know a a normal person to make concessions for him maybe the bar has been raised in terms of like what we can tolerate from oddballs but (laughs) in this case like neither of them seem that outlandish yeah but uh, i I think that's why it works for me a note that i a note A note that I made while I was watching this was that Mm -hmm. Gene Hackman's character is basically Tim. (laughs) Except if it were Tim... Great, he's the hero. If it were Tim, he would have a 2006 Scion full of Lego sets. (laughs) All right, well, hey, give give me... Yeah, Uh, I love that car. Uh, I have a question. a lot of Lego. Why was Gene Hackman living in his car? Was was he, like, kicked out by his wife or something, I think? His house... uh, his house like burned down off screen. I mean, he I says he was, that. I something? thought he was bullshitting because yeah, that's he what I didn't thought. want to say that he was homeless. I don't. <laughs> I was under the impression it was the typical cop movie thing where, like, you know, kind of the slob cop is kicked out by yeah. his ex-wife or something. But I don't remember if that was actually stated or I'm just filling in the blanks with you know my own imagination. That would have been my assumption. Yeah, the only explanation we got was his apartment burned down, but it didn't. It wouldn't so... surprise me if that was explained in a scene which was removed to mm. keep this <laughs> to a brisk well. 88 music uh, minutes. Right. Yeah, we don't want to spend any more time than we have to with this movie. Uh So, um <laughs> God, where is it going with this? (laughs) So, oh, one other thing, too. Like, just apropos of nothing, speaking of, like, wasted potential, um, Ronnie Cox is in one scene in this. Captain Jellico. You might, yeah, you might know him from RoboCop. uh, Dick Jones. Um, Yeah, uh, also, uh, David Allen Greer is a partner who does not make a second appearance. That was, I forgot about David Allen Greer. Oh, that was David Allen Greer? Jeez. Yeah. Just like I'm, just like okay, cool. So he's gonna say something funny. He's a comedian, and he's as you know, he's got two strikes against him already. He's the main character's partner, and he's black. So I'm like, okay, this character's gonna get killed off at some point. <laughs> no, he's just put on a bus. Like he just disappears well, after they, one scene. They didn't even give him the dignity of being killed. Like it was <laughs> yeah. just like, oh, but you're partnering with Dan Aykroyd, who is the police chief's nephew. Yeah, that black guy gets written out first. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, was... Typical. So, yeah, so he just disappears. So we got Ronnie Cox and David Allen Greer being wasted in two minor roles. And um, also the, um, shoot, the guy who, like, plays the the German, like, the, the Chancellor-elect who has a uh, notable birthmark on his face, you know, as a uh, not-at-all-subtle nod to Gorbachev at the time. <laughs> Famous um, German, uh, Mikhail <laughs> Gorbachev. You know, famous bad guy from somewhere in Europe. 
Like that that's the level that we're working with here. Well, they had but to the, put that in so that you could recognize them in that Nazi film. Right, yeah, I guess yeah, cuz anyone who's watching this movie to the end is a, is a fucking idiot. <laughs> um and so, probably is so stupid that they have a podcast. I know. Yeah, m- more fool me. Um so the German chancellor, he is um he, he can easily be mistaken from the uh, for the diplomatic immunity guy from Lethal Weapon Two. Diplomatic which, immunity. Right. Yeah. Which? Uh, let me see what year that came out. Um, <laughs> so this was this was 1990, and uh, let's see, uh, Lethal Weapon Two, 1989. Yep. I guess we're working from a template here. No, this 1989. was a, This was a very jingoistic time for American cinema. Like I said right, earlier, yeah. like all the all the villains were were European. Right, yeah, and it is, yeah, like 1989 is Lethal Weapon 2, 1988 is goddamn Die, die Hard, hard. <laughs> yeah, 1987 is Dragnet, so it's like we have all the, we have, you know, we're, we're swimming in a morass here, uh, but then Loose Cannons comes along and just fucks it all up. Anyway, the point I'm making, the, the actor who plays the uh, German Chancellor-elect, he's not the diplomatic immunity guy, you know who he is? He's the mob boss from Thief. Oh, damn. And, yeah, and huh. I know we touched on that briefly talking about another movie, but that is an excellent role. Like, just that character that he does, like, in Thief, it really mm-hmm. adds so much more depth and nuance to what a mob boss is if you're, and I know I've already made this point, like, if you're raised on, like, Goodfellas or Sopranos or something, you're like, oh, a mob boss is, like, hey, yeah, a wacky guy, whatever. And this this one's, like, it is about, Forget about you know, it. we're family here, we take care of each other, also, I own your ass. Right. And, yeah, it's a great character. And then he's, you know, he's this guy who's in, like, two scenes and he has a birthmark. And just, like, what a waste of another good actor in this movie. <laughs> Sad, really. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, Jen was right. It was a very jingoistic time. I was, you know, I was a, a child of that. That's why I'm still an asshole. I going to say, Robert it's like, yeah. Krosky. We we really, yeah. we, we've really never um, reckoned with the, the anti-German bias of the 80s. Right. <laughs> I know. I, I suffered so much. <laughs> well, what were the um? It w- it was like I don't know, like the Holocaust, but worse. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, just the other day, I was reading that there are ten jokes in the oblongs that have really not aged well, and uh-uh. one of them was a German slur, and that was in the year two thousand. I mean, can you believe it? As recently as wow. two thousand, Germans had no rights in this country. Yeah, you think that we would have grown past that, but no. No. It really cuts deep. <laughs> Our and, most you know, persecuted minority. Talk about those krauts anyway. <laughs> yeah. And the Oblongs, too. Like, it was such a, you know, uh, such an open-minded show, too. I mean, it was really for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> what I love is that, like, apparently, was, apparently uh, uh, probably like no, no one in the audience is going to have Arthur. any fucking clue what the Oblongs is. No, no. But, I mean, it is really worth a watch no, as I well. No, um, I think a couple or three of our... Uh, our super fans will actually be familiar with it because mm-hmm. uh, you know that's the kind of person who would listen to a podcast like mm, this. That's a good point. <laughs> um, True. Yes. You My nerds, people. we love you. Um, right. Yeah, they know what's up. <laughs> but um, you can also join those people that are Patreon at uh, Patreon.com/slash. Have you seen this? <laughs> right. Uh, God, where did we leave off? Okay, so Ronnie Cox. I, like, I, I just picture somebody being like. like the Oblongs, God, this is this is what I dreamed of. <laughs> I'm signing up the ten dollar level, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. So Ronnie Cox in one scene, and I like even like it is. Uh, it's it's like 
you know, Pucci driving past the fireworks factory, <laughs> like so many moments in here where it's like, oh, like, you know, David Allen Greer, the black partner, he's going to tell a joke. He's going to get killed. Neither of those things happen. Ronnie Cox, he's like, you know, just evil character actor. You're like, oh, he's going to be like the secret villain or something partway through. Like, no, he just, you know, he worked an afternoon on this movie and then he, you know, drove home. I don't even like, remember if he's FBI or CIA. Uh, it doesn't matter. They, uh, yeah, I don't know either. He does the FBI show up at any point? Like I'm... they 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 do like a Porky's level like ruse to like get them on the wrong train so they can go meet Mossad agents instead. Oh yeah, there's a lady Mossad agent who is so I guess colorless bad guys. that she barely registers. Well, she's very right. girl next door. She it's weird because we watch no, this movie. I'm like guys. Well, oh okay. Yeah, this is remember this is fiction. Um. But right. in, uh, <laughs> I, I was, uh, the whole movie, I'm like, when you see her, I mean, you first see her, it's like, oh, clearly she, this is the love connection. You know, she's going to get with yeah. Gene Hackman in the end, but mm-hmm. they, they don't like, they mm-hmm. kind of don't do that, which I, I feel like was originally the intention and probably got scrapped at some point, but yeah, she's barely in this. Yeah. yeah. No, they just um, crack a is- joke about, uh. Like, Gene Hackman cracks a joke to Dan Aykroyd about, like, oh, well, I'm actually joining Mossad and I'm moving to Israel. And then right, which the movie ends on a crude fucking... joke, and then the credits roll, and you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? Right. That's so baffling. <laughs> like, I don't, is it a caper or, like, a comedy? Like, there are, I mean, one of the, you know, one of the things I learned about screenwriting is that, like, a good scene accomplishes two things, and, like, these scenes, like, they have to further, like, the whole caper, you know, detective aspect of it and be funny, but most of the time they don't do either of those things. No. I think, actually, this film is... One One interesting thing about the film is even though the comedy is very... Uh, the comedy is is not it's good. Dire. It's yeah. It's... The comedy <laughs> exists and uh, strikes me as very normal for an 80s comedy. Like, your average forgotten 80s comedy is basically about this level. Uh, yeah, it's uninspired. Yeah, exactly. But the, the scenes where they actually try to build suspense are actually fairly good. Um, the beginning scene when they're out on on water and, like, Dom DeLuise and a bunch of other guys are in a speedboat trying to hide from the, you know, the and, and you see the, the red lights of the, the yacht coming through the fog. Like... And they're all, oh God. It's a very stylish, it's, stylish opening. It's pretty, it's yeah. It's weird. It's like, it tonally, it is so weird because it's, you have this. It's like, uh, why are they all dressed in costumes? That's never explained, nor is it important. Yeah, it no. looks like, it looks like the cast of a John Waters film, like in some kind of weird post-apocalyptic ocean setting. And you're like, what is happening? Yeah. And then, then, then there are me- yeah. evil Germans. And then, um. Like again, tonally it's way off because like there, uh, there are a couple of guys, uh, you know, friends of Dom DeLuise's character who get killed. Like there's one part with a, like some poor old man in a costume who gets tangled up in a fence and is literally begging for his life before they shoot him in cold blood. And it's like <laughs> that's that's really funny. I'm re- I'm really in the mood a- for some laughs. Yeah, it's this weirdly like stylized, violent opening scene of like you know the 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 guy in the dog suit from The Shining getting machine gunned to death. But I mean, the thing is that opening scene promises a much more interesting movie because it does. Yes. I mean, I was yeah. like, okay, you can really that scene when they're they're oh shit, it's Stegler or whatever they're saying. Like you can feel the fear, 
And then the fact that they're dressed up like yeah, Alice in Wonderland characters, it's like, okay, I really need to know what's going on. And then it never is brought up or explained. It's very disappointing. Uh, I, thought I, weird, I thought it was some kind of weird flashback and like it was historical and they were like fleeing Nazi Germany and they were like a clown oh. troop or something. I was like, <laughs> what is happening? I thought, I mean, from this opening, I it's really thought we were going to get, I thought we were going to get something much more like, I don't know, like a comedy version of eight millimeter, you know? Right. Ooh, Which, yeah. yeah, that's another direction they could have taken it in. I mean, yeah, like eight millimeters funny in its own way, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's a scene later in the film, which I also noted um, when the when the chancellor's on TV and that uh, that neo-Nazi mercenary is talking to his, you know, his lackey and explaining the situation. And they're filmed kind of with this like uh, this very like sickly green lighting with the tense music going and it's like suddenly it's like oh shit there's stakes involved this is actually like a little you know tense um and these scenes which are i think pretty well done contrast badly with the rest of this extremely wacky film um yeah like another movie entirely yeah exactly and it's kind of a shame because i feel like man you it seems like you really wanted to make an actual like you know, high stakes cop drama and you just got, well, we got Gene Hackman and Dan Aykroyd, I guess down to Louise, I guess we got to make it a comedy now. Yeah. And it's like, they're trying to balance, like I said about, you know, scenes trying to accomplish two things at once. So it's like, they're trying to balance these two things that just do not fit when they attempt them, which is, yeah, which is doubly frustrating because like, you know, we've seen lethal weapon, you know, you have Mel Gibson as this like goofy, like off kilter character in a in a cop action movie like we have Die Hard where you know people are getting you know shot and thrown out windows You've and got you have Samurai John cop. McClane yeah you got Samurai yeah and you got John McClane quipping you've got you know Dragnet that's a, a a police comedy so what the hell <laughs> well yeah. maybe it's the combination of maybe it's as simple as just the combination of Richard Matheson and Bob Clark. I mean, yeah, I like, guess so. uh, giant of genre fiction and his son and then the guy who made Porky's and, you know, who also right. did fucking, you know, Black Christmas and some other pretty hmm. good movies. But yeah, I just feel like so much of the comedy was just uh, Dan, go go over there and be goofy, like quote popular movie. They're like popular movies and TV shows because that is the level of like his multiple personality disorder. And I feel like his character hinges on us giving a shit about what the like what change comes over him because of his multiple personality disorder but and maybe it is that you know you know Aykroyd for all his you know uh intrinsic understanding of being autistic doesn't understand how to present multiple personality disorder in a way that is you know theatrically entertaining well, he doesn't even have really personalities like you said he really just quotes random movie lines um, yeah, it's, it's you know because usually you'd expect like okay, uh, '80s multiple personality be like he's gonna clearly be like I don't know like he's gonna be a sassy Latina woman at one point and he's gonna be a um, you know he's gonna be a, a, a wise old like karate master and he's gonna be he's like gonna be a, a stock picking talking horse. Yeah, you know he's gonna be. You, yeah, you expect like they're gonna be recurring characters he's going to play throughout the film. That doesn't happen. Yeah. he just literally quotes cartoons and movies um right. it's, he's Other like the genie in aladdin movies. is what he is you know yeah and and that's another point too it's not mine but someone on imd meet 
IMDb in a review made this point. Is that like this is a role that's better suited to Robin Williams? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This then is I would interesting have vetoed it. Um, right. Like I would because um, Tim came up with this, or like I don't remember if I mentioned it, and then you said, "Fuck it, let's do it." No, no, it was. I was just like I was washing dishes and just kind of like staring into nothingness, and I just remembered loose cannons. <laughs> oh, that's that's, why, that's, that's why we're here. How does that even happen? Yeah. Now you guys know why we do this show. It's like we we have to. Like we have no other skills. I was they actually going to ask why <laughs> why you picked loose cannons of all films. I don't know. I just thought of it, and I'm like, remember that Dan Aykroyd movie with like that one weird like unpleasant scene that you saw as a kid. Like what? What was with that movie? And it turned out that um, you know, on on my street, there's a there's a video rental store, and they had the DVD of Loose Cannons, and I'm just at that point, just like fuck it, we're doing this. Yeah, it was like it was. Uh, it was meant to be. Yeah, which is fucked. It's we live in a fucked universe. Where right. Yeah, it like is a place called. Vi- happen. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a place called Video Room, and if you want to, um, <laughs> if you want to go to their website. To see, uh, to see their entry for loose cannons, uh, just go to one five nine dot six five dot one zero two dot two three two. I'm not even joking. Tim, Tim showed me the 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 link, and I was like, "It's a it's an IP address. What is that? They yeah, didn't even get like a. The they didn't even buy like a like a GoDaddy domain name or something. Yeah, it's just the IP address one five nine dot six five dot one zero two dot two three two. What's the what's the video store called? It is called Video Room. Video Room. That's Shouts like- out Video Room. Yeah, it's like Tim. Are you sure you aren't just like making this up and couldn't think of a name? Like, nope, nope. <laughs> this is this is the the place that you wouldn't find any other way. And that has loose cannons in their library. And you know, us being us, like we fully support weird video stores that like can't. Yeah, how is he gonna find this shit? Can't be bothered to buy a domain name. Yeah, like there's you know there's there's you know, one leecher of like the 720p rip of loose cannons, like on the entire internet. Cause no one wants to watch this goddamn movie. <laughs> God, I wonder if that person is going to like Google and like find the show. The one loose cannons <laughs> fan. That's how they he- call They're called uh cannon fanons. That's what they call themselves. <laughs> he's, he's probably going to be pissed when he hears this. They're, yeah, it's no, yeah, they're guy. they're gonna write in. Yeah. It's probably that same guy who wrote that insane uh, rant about uh, nothing but trouble. Oh, <laughs> that, that could be any one of us. Uh, oh, you know, yeah, the, the like, guy who was going about Dante's Inferno or some shit. Yeah, he compared it to um, Rabelais and like Swift. Wasn't he really mad about the Dead Reckoning system? Uh, no, that was a guy on uh, IMDb, I think. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Um, you know, also this is since this is a an '80s film, and uh, mm-hmm. they really, you know, they're and it's kind of like I said, the the thematically sex related or sex crime related. Um, they that's wacky. they it's wacky. I mean, they right. they Without really going there, but I mean, people are shot in this. Like, yeah, is this like supposed to be like a PG buddy cop movie? <laughs> well, they needed more. Know, let me. They needed more tits, is what they need. But they also, I don't think they did nearly Wait, enough. I, I'm not sure. Let, let me let me go back to 159.65.102.232 to check the rating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Ah, God bless you, video room. We love you. <laughs> oh, it doesn't have it. Well, Never mind. Sorry. Well, we mentioned that there are there are a number of actors wasted in this film. And um, another yep. thing that I think is kind of wasted is I forget the actor's name, but there's a character. Um, and that is the 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 evil European pervert assassin character, you know, who's who's trying to kill uh, our heroes. He he whenever he's talking on screen, he's got that like, you know, you know that evil European pervert 80s villain energy. Uh, yes. he, he, he's, <laughs> yeah, we understand. The yeah, European, he seems uh, like he should be like huffing pervert. ether the whole time. Um, right, yeah. And, we're getting uh, into he, like cellulite closet territory. Yeah, velvet. I mean, yeah. he is very queer coded. I mean, he does like randomly he like guy. kisses that kiss, like very aggressively kisses hey, the... Uh, it's European. Yeah. yeah, they just um, do that over there. Um, though I guess you know, credit to them, uh, they they could have made this a lot more queer phobic. You know, um, yeah, that's like he does not try to rape Dan Aykroyd when too. he has him tied up. So good on you, movie, for you know having some restraint. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, like, yeah, you uh, were, were not engaging or interesting in any way whatsoever. <laughs> good for you. They really could have doubled down on the trauma aspect and they didn't because we didn't we didn't see uh dan eckard's character tortured on screen which i guess is good right yeah oh wait but, so yeah. in the end that's right he gets tortured again and that salt that cures his multiple personality disorder because that's yeah, it's how like that being works. bonked on the head twice yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like um it's like scaring somebody when they have hiccups that's how you cure amnesia <laughs> yeah it's um this movie is very is very silly the stuff that he's he's drawing from from his uh, multiple personalities it's just it's looney tunes star trek wizard of oz the love boat sort of nascar like he's doing snl bits oh, like this is the love boat he, because of aaron spelling yeah well this uh, is the scene where they three oh, sorry. three stooges which you remember was used to great effect and hot to trot yeah they, they fall in a river and they're getting washed away at one point. And Dan Aykroyd is just screaming random television lines. But it's obviously dubbed in because you can see them. And it's like, well, yeah, he's not saying he's, he's not saying anything. He's trying to breathe. Um, he's yeah. not yelling yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These aren't these aren't jokes so much as they are quips. They're like the, you know, 90s, you know, late 80s, 90s equivalent of like of the like well that happened yes you know kind of like non-joke that you'll see in movies now again hopefully I, that'll age as poorly yeah well, again yeah, i keep like hoping the... no go ahead mike please oh i'm just gonna again i feel like the the big problem here is the the, the multiple personality disorder angle they should have just cut that entirely make it yeah, about him dealing with autism autistic man yeah. Yeah. Just just Dan Aykroyd as himself. It's it's a hat on a hat. I mean, it's a just weird because it's like Dan Aykroyd doing this very real and vulnerable autistic performance, and then every randomly he'll just be like, "Oh, and here's me doing a dumb asshole voice." You know? Yeah. It's like, hey, now now do the Road Runner. Yeah. And also, oh, like God. even like when the scene where he's doing that, and he like because you know he get he gets retard strength. Uh, <laughs> you know when he ha- goes into one of his fugues and he like mows down one of the um. You know, one of the the Germans on the, you know, when they're on the train, the Germans, by the way, have like, you know, uh, like tabletop role playing game levels of like resources where it's like, <laughs> look, we're just going to come at We're going to chase you in a car. Also, we have a rocket launcher. OK, you escape. We're going to have, you know, machine guns and chase you in a helicopter. And it's just like it, it is 
it's like a bad game of riffs where the GM just keeps like throwing shit at you to try to kill your characters off because he can't. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, yeah, but but in contrast to that, did you notice the point yeah. where Gene Hackman pulls out a musket? Yeah, yes. what's up? What was up with that? Did I? I why? Why was that? <laughs> uh, it is so not funny. Maybe they maybe they it's cut like- a scene where like um, it was revealed that he was running an antique shop before he got like thrown out onto the street and had to live in his car i don't just, know it is just like comedically the movie doesn't know what it is like you can do like different kinds of comedy but the movie never settles on what kind it wants to be and like this is just like okay we're doing like some kind of goofy like cartoony sort of thing where it's just yeah gene hackman has a blunderbuss for some reason <laughs> and, and yeah like, like like mike pointed out earlier like hudson hawk works because so many so much random shit is thrown at you in that movie that eventually you just kind of have to roll with it. I, mean, I don't know if Until, Hudson you know, Hawk th- works, but it it, oh, it charms. Well, you. this is where Mike and I agree. Yes, it it charms you because yeah, at the end of it, it is you know Danny Aiello explaining that he survived you know, falling in the um uh what the God I forgot their characters' names um you know the the villains in their in their limo. Because it, you know, had all these like fire suppression systems and airbags and everything. Because of course they they did, and you know, it's it's Bruce Willis reacting, going, "Yeah, that's probably what happened." <laughs> <laughs> and that that is just like that is the the spirit of the movie, where like something, um, you know, Kit Kat shows up with a golf bag full of um, you know timed explosives that'll stick to your forehead, and you go, "Yeah, that's probably what happened." <laughs> Yeah, this this film it doesn't no yeah it's it's all David over the Caruso. place. Shit, that was the actor. Yeah, <laughs> this movie does not have the the gumption to go all the way, which is really un- right. I mean, wh- wh- which is weird because it's like, look, the premise that you're talking about is like a lost Adolf Hitler sex tape. Like, how can right. you not want to? I mean, how can you not have the you know the the cojones <laughs> to just go completely all out it's like yeah i want to see like you know hitler like in bondage or something i want to see him in you know like, some kind of like humiliating position so yeah we can giggle about that um this is just yeah it's it's uh, it's a lot of odd choices i feel like <sighs> that aren't committed to yeah it, yeah as part of it uh, well, like I the only that, thing that um i, I think that well, as Tim mentioned, nowadays the trend in comedy and bad comedy is to just kind of lean on. So that happened, and right. in the eighties, and I would say before that, like in the for bad comedies in the seventies and the sixties, um, comedy is just people yelling. Right. And, yeah. And uh, everything again, like is you can crazy. Get that kind of horseshit on a podcast. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it is. It is spectacle more than anything yeah. yeah much of the comedy in this film it it does that unfortunate thing where it's not it's not that a funny situation happened and people are reacting to it it's just that things are normal but like characters are are making quips that very clearly came from a writer's room because no one in real yeah. life would ever you know would ever say those and situations happen you know merely to set up these quips that don't have don't have the the weight to be worth it so yeah. Yeah, and 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 in an interview, uh, Dan Aykroyd is talking about you know Gene Hackman is actually you know the funniest character in this because he's the one who's cracking all the jokes, and it's like Dan, you know better than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, like that's not how comedy works. Dan is a gentleman, you know. Right. I mean, yeah, come on. He is, if he if he could like put up with Chevy Chase, I mean, he'll put up with he'll with anyone. 
he is. Yeah, I mean, he was shilling a movie at the time, yeah. so of course. He is a very nice guy, except for the, um, you know, even taking into account the fact that he got J.T. Walsh fired from this movie because uh, he also worked in the John Belushi biopic Wired. Right. Oh. Which, I mean, that didn't go anywhere either, as I recall. Which is a weird hill to die on, but <laughs> well, Blues Brothers yeah. stick together. Yeah, exactly. Hey, he was, yeah, he was just uh, he was just looking after Jake's memory. Yeah, um, that's what Elwood would do. It is funny that this seems to be the film that because I think um, there was an incident uh, where where I guess the the fake Hitler footage was discovered in a landfill or something. In I mean, in real life, mm-hmm. and some Canadian cops thought it was like an actual. Uh, crime being committed on this film mm-hmm. uh, though I don't know if, if the footage they saw was the same footage we saw it's like I don't know what they thought they were looking at oh I guess because they show Hitler getting shot and these cops were like oh shit someone murdered Hitler we better we better we better get the boys out to investigate this one <laughs> we <laughs> must like, get yeah, justice we want them for brought Hitler to justice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so but apparently this was like a thing until um but they, oh, yeah, Hitler jokes. That's yeah, they, they finally tr- uh, had to contact uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd about well, it. Like, yeah, who says, like, I can see Hitler being shot. What's Dan Aykroyd doing there? <laughs> that would be so funny if, like, because you realize that what they originally thought was that Dan Aykroyd had appeared in a snuff film. <laughs> right. Like, they didn't think, like, Wait, oh. you know, the money was right. <laughs> they didn't think, oh, this is a Dan Aykroyd movie where, like, there was a murder scene. Huh, that's weird, because he usually did comedies. They're, they're, they were right. like, oh, my God, Dan Aykroyd saw a man being murdered. We better call him yeah. up. Yeah, and that movie inspired the song In the Air Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so that's sad that, that Dan Aykroyd's Dan... whole family got raped and killed, along with Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Phil, Phil Collins got raped and murdered, and then he wrote that song. He, Phil Collins pointed out Dan Aykroyd as the murderer in the audience. Of yeah, of, a single a single spotlight shown on Dan Aykroyd fleeing the auditorium. Yeah, and he was so you know, ashamed. That is great showmanship. Yeah. He was so yeah. ashamed of getting called out as being a murderer that he killed himself after that. You know. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, that's his that's, career. Yeah, yeah. Um, but apparently, <laughs> he he committed career suicide by making uh, nothing but trouble. <laughs> but apparently, uh, so when the cops found the the footage, uh, they contact they you know and they thought that saw Dan Aykroyd in it. They contacted Dan Aykroyd's agent, who figured out that it was from the this movie. And yeah, apparently, it was a stray uh, reel of loose cannons. Yeah, and then so apparently, Dan Aykroyd said of this, the movie should have been left in the landfill where it belongs. Which, Sorry, Dan. I mean, I again, it's not a good movie, but Pretty is this really the worst Dan Aykroyd movie? I I feel like we're going through all of them. Like we're <laughs> we're just covering Gene Hackman and Dan Aykroyd movies at this point. <laughs> it's the Gene Dan you know, cast. Yeah, you subscribe to our Patreon, we might cover a movie that doesn't involve either of them. I mean, maybe. I just so, feel like if I was Dan Aykroyd and like they were like, "Hey, it's loose cans," I'd be like, "Well, uh, at least it's not Caddyshack 2. You know, <laughs> I um, where do we fit this in the 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 uh, the canon, if you will, of Dan Aykroyd misfires? Because there are as long as we're shooting lot. it out of the canon. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, um and I some like of the other the ones that like I, I I you know I really like Dan Aykroyd in spite of how much garbage I've seen him in, and I was just thinking how much I felt for his character just simply because of his performance and, you know, uh, 
that just Dan Aykroyd aura of likability. Like, I really mm. feel bad for his character. <laughs> right. And it's probably because I think that the people that we've, you know, come to know uh, lately, you're like, yeah, Dan Aykroyd in this movie isn't so bad. Although, like, don't stay over at its place overnight. Like, that is horrifying. <laughs> there was a part. There's like, in- That did legitimately, like, traumatize me as a child <laughs> when I watched this. Uh, wait, which which is the scene you're talking about? I'm talking about when, um, because, you know, uh, Popeye Doyle. Hey, how come there weren't any Popeye impressions throughout this? I guess maybe Robin Williams. Um, uh, so, so Gene Hackman, because he has no place to live, you know, uh, Dan Ecker's like, well, you do now. You know, he's staying mm-hmm. over at, at, at Dan's place. There's which also is like all a, white. there's also a wry clarinet sting after uh, Dan Aykroyd says you do now, which is just like I, I hate the score for this film so <laughs> yeah, much. It's, it's, uh, yeah, too many tubas, too many, you know, Tim Penny drums. Um so yeah, he, he stays over at his place and it is a nice visual gag that it's like, oh, it's 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 better for me that I don't have any kind of uh, unnecessary stimulation. So his entire apartment is white. <laughs> Everything is white. Mm-hmm. The floor is white. The couch is white. The paintings are white, which is a funny notion. Anyway, so Gene Hackman stays in the guest room and he goes to bed and he, he locks the door because he's because Dan Ecker's like, oh, at some point I might have like a little break. It's kind of like a waking nightmare. <laughs> and so it's basically him just like, it, it, you know, it's the same sound as like if someone was like flipping through like Nickelodeon late at night. <laughs> It's just you hear just like tons of like insane voices coming from the other side of the door. And I'm like, if I was trapped in a room and I hear that on the other side, I would be disturbed. Yeah, it's like Homer Simpson being like, don't mind if I do. And then he makes all those noises. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. uh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah. So this uh, it's tough to rank where this lands on like worst Dan Aykroyd movies because there is um, there is uh, nothing but trouble which is so like gloriously terrible it kind of loops back around well I mean well, this I feel is, like it's um, like nothing it's but like trouble it breaks ha- the scale well nothing but trouble commits like nothing but trouble yeah it's like Hudson Hawk it like it goes all the way right nothing but trouble definitely yeah, has a vision um, and yeah, you know, it, and maybe it's in a like very... it, it excels at being a terrible movie, and in that way, isn't it a good movie? Yeah, like maybe know. in a... right, right in an info it have you seen? <laughs> maybe in a in kind of an Aykroyd way, it's like he had a vision that he attempted to communicate to the world at large, but we just weren't picking up what he was laying down. Like, um, you know, we just didn't understand yeah, like, all the way normies, he communicated. That's the yeah could it could it be because kind of like no <laughs> um because we're t- i was i mentioned earlier how dan Aykroyd is one of the few comedians of his time who really does seem to act in the sense that mm. you know even though there is a particular character who is a you know dan dan Aykroyd type i would say that like you know if you watch him in ghostbusters and you watch him in um you know like trading space uh, trading places and you watch him in mm-hmm. Caddyshack 2, these are all different characters he's playing, as opposed to, you know, Bill Murray, who's like, hey, I'm Bill Murray, check me out, I'm in this movie. It's me, Bill Murray. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> That's very true. And, yeah, Johnny Depp saw that at an impressionable age, and was like, I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, this is the one film where I feel like Dan Aykroyd is like, no, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it straight. I'm going to be normal. 
uh, as in like uh, mm-hmm. it's the same sort of Dan Aykroyd version of normal, but he's not like he's not as out uh, he's not as out there as as he is in most films. And unfortunately, in this this is the sort of film that kind of needs the exact opposite. Like his performance is really is is I think very good and very interesting and very honest, but it's not the right film for it. This is a film so... that kind of needs someone being. Wacky. Yeah, it doesn't help anything that he's yeah. trying to commit. He's I mean, so, he needs when he's not um, when he's not having an episode. He's so sincere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's basically playing Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, yeah there's if, re- if, there's real pain yeah. in this movie. <laughs> I mean, it's like this is we're watching. It's kind of like you know the Dan Aykroyd story, but you know with a bunch of other like made up bullshit about like you know Porky Pig and the Roadrunner. Um, yeah, but. You know, it's like dumbed down, but dumbed down to the point where it's like, I feel stupider for having been exposed to it. I, I feel it's very odd also to be like, okay, we need a character who's just going to be like a Robin Williams type, you know, fast paced, mm-hmm. just like quippy sort of uh, impressions. And I've never thought of Dan Aykroyd as an impressions guy. Like that isn't really no, no more than I'm an impressions guy. Yeah. It's like, but I guess he's better at it than I thought. Cause I mean, his impressions are fine. You know they're they're fine. They're annoying, but that's because not because he's bad at them. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Uh, so, so there's this. There's nothing but trouble. There are two others that I want to throw into the ring in terms of uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd misfires. Oh, they're, please say they we are... have to watch them. No, no, God no. <laughs> uh, they are Neighbors and 1941. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's about the reaction I was expecting. What about, What's neighbors? Um... Oh yeah, wait, is exactly. that the John Belushi? Yes. Yeah. Oh it yeah. Is... Okay. Yeah, it, it that is just very weird. Like, just I don't know. It 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 seems to embody, you know, Dan Aykroyd's sense of humor in that. Like, I don't get what's funny about it, <laughs> but it's weird. So yeah. yeah, it is too. You know two neighbors that at you know house one and two on a dead end you know cul-de-sac in the wilderness basically and they're at each other's throats and they are uh dan Eckard and john belushi oh yeah and then the twist is like oh belushi plays the straight laced one and right Aykroyd is the deranged one i've never seen it i just have read about it i uh, hey listeners if any of you have seen it write in Tell us what you think about it, because <laughs> I I remember seeing it as a kid because you know I grew up in you know like around like a lot of SNL comedy, which is why you know whenever I perform anything, it's like watching a school play. <laughs> uh, so I you know was in all this like you know watching Neighbors in 1941, but like uh, not funny, I guess. Right. I don't know. What about um Crossroads with Britney Spears? What he was in that? Yeah, he plays her dad. The, I think. Oh, I thought he was. Gonna, does he play the devil that she meets at the crossroads? Because <laughs> I could see that. He You're could, like that. That sounds great. You know, I, I feel mean, like, I, I feel I, like I, uh, if you asked Dan Aykroyd to play the devil, he would like have a problem with it because he would be like afraid of stepping on the real devil's toes. <laughs> no, he'll be like, well, which actual devil uh, are you talking about? Uh, Tobin Spirit Guide. <laughs> He's like, you yeah, don't yeah. understand. There's like 18 dimensions, and 
<laughs> yeah, no, you, you you can't just you you can't just say the devil. Yeah. You, you know, you have to specify which devil. I mean, are we talking about uh, Mephistopheles? <laughs> or are we talking about uh, Dan Eckers? Like, a... We have to understand is that we have that the time is cubic and there's four con- concurrent days going on at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if you if you guys haven't seen that one, um, I don't even know what the thing is called, but it's that um, that interview that some random guy did with Dan Aykroyd about like UFOs and shit. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is that oh, thing called? Is is it? Uh, I bet he has a lot. I bet he has some interesting stuff to say. David Serrata interviews Dan Aykroyd unplugged on UFOs. Hmm. I don't know who the fuck David it Serrata is, the... is. I assume he's a coast to coast AM listener. Well, yeah. I mean, they're all kind of on the same. I don't know spectrum. <laughs> 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 I don't know if that's the right word. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I, I I mean, you know, I, I, I could play Beelzebub or I could play Mammon. I mean, I'm, you, you, you need to tell me which actual devil you want me to play. Uh, well, um, hey, does anybody know if this is streaming or anything? I don't think it is. Loose cannons? <laughs> yeah. I hope not. Oh. I, I didn't even look. No, I, I didn't even bother to check because who would want to watch that? I feel no, like this I is did, a movie I, that would actually be free if you're streaming streams. Yeah, that's true. It's but true. God, a lot of um, this? a lot of movies that we cover on the show when, you know, I'll check the Roku to see if they're like playing for free anywhere. And, you know, sometimes like they're available for rent. And I'm like, you really want me to give you three dollars to watch this? Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe they made, that's, a, that's a bridge too far. They made I mean, me like, pay right uh, off. I write off everything that has to do with the show, but, like, I mean, there are a lot of movies that we talk about where, like, I feel a little bit ripped off paying two ninety nine on Voodoo or whatever. And this is one of them. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad Tim got that uh, DVD rip from uh, 192.168.01 or whatever it was. <laughs> you, know, you know what I like about oh, this Oh, yeah, film, yeah. If you want to rent a copy, it's good. just go to 159.65.102.232. <laughs> Um, a good thing about this film, though, or I should say this podcast, is um, uh, even yeah. though he is um, on screen probably more than anything other than possibly uh, Gene Hackman and Dan Aykroyd themselves, uh, we have pretty much refused to mention that Dom DeLuise is in this film. <laughs> yeah, he, he brings a lot of uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world energy to this movie, which also doesn't fit. Yeah. And he's... which is also a pretty bad movie, to be honest. <laughs> that's, yeah, well, I guess that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's I, Tom DeLuise is Tom DeLuise in. Yeah, it's just sort of a lot of like breathless shouting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which again, like you can get that sort of thing on a podcast. Like you can make have people making tasteless, you know, Hitler jokes on a podcast too. I expect more of my movies. I I actually kind of felt a little bad for Dom DeLuise in this film because I don't yeah. know how old he was at this point, but. He is having a lot of trouble keeping up. I mean, I think like that sweat is real. Keeping up, right? I mean, he is like constantly mopping himself with like a handkerchief, and I don't think it's a. I don't think it's for the benefit of the performance. I think he's just (laughs) literally like dying on screen. Yeah, it's not flop sweat. It's just regular. It's just like I can't feel my left arm. (laughs) Yeah, it's like that one. uh, Whatever that. Roddy Piper action movie is that they play on B movie TV sometimes, and oh, he's on the run in it. And 
I just right. cringe every time they make him run because I'm like, I, you know, he just he's had his hip operated on. That's just mean. Like it's mean to make <laughs> right. Dom DeLuise like be in like an action comedy. Yeah, it, right, and and doubly so to be in this action comedy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he does get a, a good quip at the end because uh, again, I I reiterate there are no jokes in this movie. They're just quips. Yeah, but you know he gets he gets shot in the butt at some point because that's funny. He's like. <laughs> I, I I have a hole in my ass. And, and one of the orders is like, that's why they call you an asshole. Oh, uh, yeah, actually, I think probably the, the funniest moment in this entire film uh, and, and relatively subtle for this film is just at the mm-hmm. end when they wheel him into the room and he's talking to the children. And uh, Dan mm-hmm. Aykroyd is like, he's so good with kids. And then you hear him saying, like, I don't give a shit. You know, D- Dom DeLuise just swearing. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Look at these assholes. And it's just. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird moment. <laughs> <laughs> which is um now now i got six months of ass jokes to look forward to uh, yeah, which i just, appreciate like biting my knuckle because wiping um, my brow yeah like I, I i i appreciate that a little bit because um you know at first you think the movie is going to be like really syrupy with you know dan Aykroyd's there like entertaining the children and blah blah but then mm-hmm. you know that moment where they just leave the kids with dom de and he's just cussing up a storm it's like uh, nice yeah <laughs> Uh, the rest of this movie sucks, though. It's it's a short movie that feels long because there's so there's such long stretches where nothing happens, and I hate it. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I feel like this movie had a lot of potential, and maybe they should have, you know, like like. I mean, you... it, it could have done so much for the community of people suffering with dissociative identity disorder, <laughs> which yeah, um, all, all seven or eight of them worldwide was already taken some hits because this was the era of satanic panic, so. You know, nobody, right. it, 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 it's not like well, people were, were, and people still think that it's fake. Yeah. Well, look, okay, but Jen, think about this. If you were a person with dissociative identity disorder, uh, at this time period, you know, your, your representation movies was stuff, was stuff like, you know, Norman Bates, um, uh, Hannibal Lecter, not Hannibal Lecter, was it there? Uh, murders, you know? So you're going to see loose cannons yeah. and you're like, ah, positive representation. <laughs> at last, yeah. And well, you know, a, the, uh, he's not, not a Alice victim. The three faces of Eve. He's yeah. not That's a the victim like in Sybil. You know, he has agency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, he's uh, obviously uh, traumatized. Um, not right, so, by, yeah, not Lu- from being... Loose cannons, a very woke movie. Yeah. Three decades ahead of its time. It's about yeah, a tra- man working through his trauma. Yeah, men. Men will literally. Not, the trauma oh, is not being tortured for three days by uh, Colombian drug runners. It's making loose cannons. Well, Look, that's just yeah. I mean, that's just funny. Men like, will literally make loose cannons before start, they go to therapy. Uh, you know, just wondering if Gene Hackman is going to like snap and start strangling you, or is it going to be one of the grips? Who knows? <laughs> but he looks pretty fucking pissed off. I'm sorry, oh, yeah, Mike. I stepped I on your react. quip. Oh no, no, it wasn't that? It wasn't that? Wasn't that good? Oh, well, I'll take your word for it then. <laughs> <laughs> what, were you talking about the movie? Oh! Yay. Actually, huh? I did laugh at the Hey, line. I'll be writing the sequel to Loose Cannons all week, folks. <laughs> Looser Cannons. Yeah. <laughs> A good day to Loose Cannons. <laughs> It'll be called Tight Barrels. <laughs> right. Loose Bowels. Yeah, oh. I'll, I'll, I'll see some cannons loosed in this movie. Whoa. <laughs> I did laugh at the line where... um. Gene Hackman describes 
what an S&M club is. He says, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Only real hard. Uh, okay, well. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, I guess it's not uh, funny. I stand corrected. Damn it. <laughs> I didn't like the part where Dan Aykroyd was like talking about how he didn't want to go to the sex club. I thought that was, you know... He was like, what a, he's like, I'm not a prude, but I don't like going to these sex clubs. Well, I mean, he knew that he knew that that sex club was real shitty because there are a bunch of guys with members only jackets it is. in there. Oh, yeah. They're not taking yeah, it that's seriously. That's a really weak sauce. Dan, yeah, Dan Aykroyd is a uh, sex repulsed ace in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing to make strides for representation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he'll enjoy Precinct Night more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he'll bring his collection of badges. He'll be the bell of the ball. <laughs> you think there's like a hanky code for badges? <laughs> Like, like, yeah, I, you know, I'm with, you know, Portland PD, so I enjoy beating people. <laughs> <laughs> but not in a sex club kind of way. Not like one of those freaks. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, it's uh, NYPD. That means, you know, I'm, you know, in, into brown, which is, you know, <laughs> brutalizing brown people. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's got the brown anky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. Okay, well, um, don't watch A-cab. this movie. Like, I would literally, yeah, well, I would well, literally well, prefer that you people see seek out against my advice in the last episode. I would rather that you seek out a copy of Hot to Trot rather than Loose Cannons. It is not worth your time, right? Um, yeah, the, but throw Video Room in Oakland some business, please. <laughs> right, yeah. If you're ever in the area or not, just point your browser to one five nine dot six five dot one zero two dot two three two and. <laughs> Check them out. Yeah, you can also join our Patreon there. <laughs> <laughs> it's at, um, it's actually, the one portal um, for the, yeah. Geocities.com slash uh, 0006. Till, uh, yeah, slash like the, the squiggly line next to the one. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash have you seen this? Right. Um, no pee-pee hole. Okay. <laughs> I wrote that down. <laughs> pee hole. That's like the one line I remember from this movie. Is that... I'm like, this comedy is shit. Do they oh, really like do the that line, in Europe? Um, I like the line, would you mind turning that off, please? It disrupts my energy patterns. <laughs> like, that was just Dan Aykroyd talking to Gene Hackman, like, between takes. Yeah, like, they improvise that whole scene, which I think, yeah, they're at, they're expecting Dan to do a lot of the heavy lifting in this. Also, Gene Hackman drives a Woody, but he listens to Dixieland jazz in it. <laughs> He's got layers. Uh, Racist Beach Boy? I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, da- uh, I got Gene this Hackman car from dr- Dennis Wilson after he died. <laughs> you know, uh, Gene Hackman drives a Woody because it represents his penis. <laughs> did I ever send you that Town bit where they were doing the Gene Hackman imitation, but it's just like, I'm a baby with big tits. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it, Again, like most come town bits, it shouldn't be funny at all. But it's <laughs> right, funny. yeah. Why are they dressed in costumes at the beginning? Uh, there, yeah, yeah. There's a screaming sex scene. <laughs> oh yeah, where, like, like Gene, God. The Gene, David Allen Greer, who doesn't get to fucking do anything. Right, yeah. It's it's him and Gene Hackman being like, oh, this is a you know, this is in violation of uh, statute six uh, nine. Dot four twenty. Uh, you need to wear a condom because I guess like 
condoms were kind of like in the zeitgeist at the time. Oh yeah, this was um, this was the oh, age of AIDS. AIDS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> they're they're not, they're not <laughs> if they're raw dog don't, and that's don't get AIDS. <laughs> that's funny. They might get <laughs> HIV. <laughs> okay, so let's see. So we talked about AIDS. We talked about Hitler. We talked about Holocaust. Did we talk about kids with cancer? I want to make sure that we've got all our loose cannons covered. Were, here. were there kids with cancer? Pedophilia. Oh yeah, pedophilia. Um, let's see. I assume that Don uh, hey. Deluise molested all those kids in the hospital. <laughs> Probably right. yes. had yeah, they're child there mol- child molestation. There we yeah. go. Okay. How how about those knuckleheads in Congress? <laughs> I got to put one in the swear jar. That's <laughs> MST. So that happened. <laughs> Damn it, Chad. <laughs> our, our guest has been Greg Proops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we're done. I, I can do another one. Let's see. So I tuned I tuned up the the wording a little. Yeah, yeah. I don't have the soundboard with me. <laughs> the clown board. That's the board <laughs> I sit on. <laughs> <laughs>